Hi, this is Courtney and welcome back to our study on the Song of Songs. Today we are going to be in chapter 5 and this is a really precious, insightful chapter. So I hope that you have your Bible open to Song of Songs chapter 5. I hope you that you have your book in front of you, God's plan of redemption for the whole world through the Song of Songs because it really helps us when we have these different ways of learning to take in the material, to take into the Word of the Word of God into our hearts so that we might not sin against him. You know, it's one thing to listen to these teachings or to watch these teachings. It's a whole other thing to interact with the Word of God through a study book like this, through doing your homework, through preparing and getting ready for the lesson before you come. And I'm telling you, you're going to get so much more out of it if you do these things. Um, I can tell you from experience, this is how I have studied the Bible and it has helped me learn and grow in my faith in Jesus Christ. So let's begin Song of Songs chapter 5 in a prayer. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this beautiful day and we just thank you so much for this beautiful picture in Song of Songs chapter 5 that we are about to embark on. It is going to be so helpful and so practical to understand our day-to-day -day faith and walk with Jesus. So I just pray for all of us um, that you would open our hearts, you would open our eyes to understand, and you would strengthen our faith in our glorious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and in his word given to us so that we would follow him and obey him. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I hope that you did your homework. You did a little bit of a reading to understand the text, understand who was speaking, what they were speaking about in this part of the song. And just as a reminder, this is text we are reading uh, from our perspective because it's in a book, but it's actually song lyrics that we are going through. And there's many different people singing the song of songs. And that's why this is a song that blesses everyone in the kingdom. So we talked a little bit about what was going on in the song when we went through our homework. And so this chapter is um, going to be entitled Beauty from the Ashes. And again, this is probably the most practical chapter of all of the Song of Songs that really can apply to our faith and walk in Jesus Christ day in and day out as we are waiting his glorious appearance um, and to be taken up to be with him. This is the things that we do to follow him and we can also understand the character of God in this more deeply through the Shulamis situation. And so let's dive into this together and look at what the main verse of the Song of Songs chapter 5 is. It is 510, my beloved is white and ruddy, chief among 10,000. And our chapter theme today is going to be beauty from the ashes. And I take that directly from a verse in Isaiah that we're going to go into a little bit later on. So interestingly, as in chapter 4, going back to chapter 4 for a minute, remember now we are on the other side of the chiastic structure of the Song of Songs, where chapter 4 is the central chapter of the whole song, and chapters 1, 2, and 3 are pointing to chapter 4, and then chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8 point back to chapter 4. So in chapter 5 now, we really see a pointing back 
to chapter four in a glorious and beautiful way. And I'll show you that as we go through it. But in this chapter, we have all of the people in the song in contained in this chapter. They each have a part of the song and lyrics that are sung. So we have the beloved and the Shulamith, of course. And then we have the friends of the bridegroom in this chapter. We have the daughters of Jerusalem. And then we're going to see the watchmen again appear in this chapter. And just as we saw them in chapter three, we will see them in chapter five. And that's part of the perfect chiastic structure of the Song of Songs, where what God does on this side, he also completes on this side. And that's what we call the book ends of scripture or chiastic structure. And so if you want to review what chiastic structure is for the Song of Songs, you can go back to the background lesson of your book and you can also go into your book on chapter eight and you can see me, um, excuse me, page eight, page seven and eight, and you can see a review of what chiastic structure is because it is such a beautiful way to understand the, the perfect organization of the Word of God. Okay, so the places mentioned now in this chapter are the city of Jerusalem and Lebanon. So in the very beginning of this chapter, we do pick up the themes, the main themes from chapter four, and I'm gonna go through and read, I'm gonna read this chapter in different sections. Instead of reading the whole thing at once, I'm gonna read it in different sections because it's written really primarily in two different sections. So let's start with the first section because it really ends the theme of chapter four. And it says, and it's the end of after the consummation of their marriage where the bridegroom says, I have come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. And to his friends, to the friends of the bridegroom, the beloved says, eat, O friends, drink. Yes, drink deeply, O beloved ones. So this is the announcement that the consummation has been completed. They are now married. And there is this great celebration for all those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb to enjoy together. So let's take a look at that exact scripture reference in Revelation chapter 19 verses five through nine that says, then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying, alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. So this is such a beautiful, celebration for all the kingdom. Remember, 
It is the love story between the beloved and the Shulamith and how their marriage and their love story, story blesses everyone in the kingdom. So we have the marriage of the lamb that has come and his wife has made herself ready and now everyone in the kingdom rejoices because they are blessed because they are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb and so all are rejoicing together so this is such a wonderful end to chapter four that we have this beautiful scene and it is something we want to hold on to dearly the fact that it is finished it is completed and now what we do with the fact that Jesus has come, he has taken our sins to the cross, he took all the wrath of God upon himself and he gave us his righteousness, then he rose from the dead to give us new life and we are now new creations in Christ Jesus where the old is gone and the new has come. And that is what we are continuing to walk now by faith and not by sight we are believing by faith in the finished work of the cross and that we are a new creation and so what we are to do is to put on the full armor of god and take our stand against the devil's schemes because the devil is going to continue to attack us and attack our faith that is what he is after dear sister he is after your faith he is after my faith and he is trying to trip us up so that we will not walk by faith in the righteous acts God has given for us to walk in. Each one of us every day are given righteous acts from God that we are to follow in the leading of the Holy Spirit. We are to walk with him day by day in the faith of God and believing in him, in his power in and through us to walk in these righteous acts. But as we know, sometimes we get tripped up and we stumble and we don't do the things that we are called to do by God but that is part of our journey in following Christ all the way to the end and so here we get a picture through the Shulamith of what happens when we get tripped up and how God responds to it and how we are to respond when that inevitably happens. Because as you know and I know, we are not perfect yet. We are not in that glorified body. We still live in our fleshly bodies and we know that our flesh and our the Holy Spirit are constantly battling each other. And this is where we learn maturity, dear sisters. We learn maturity to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires and we learn to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit but we know that it is a walk of faith and grace is what follows us Jesus is full of grace as we continue to follow him day by day so let's take a moment and see what happens when even the Shulamith got tripped up after the wedding celebration so let's pick up now in verse 2 and let's read all the way to the end of the chapter so song of songs um, chapter 5 verse 2 through 16 so it says here and this is the Shulamith now talking she says I sleep but my heart is awake it is the voice of my beloved he knocks saying open for me my sister my love my dove my perfect one for my head is covered with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. And this is the Shulamith talking. She says, I have taken off my robe. 
How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned and was gone. My heart leaped when, I, when he spoke. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him and he gave me no answer. The watchmen who went about the city found me. They struck me, they wounded me. The keepers of the walls took my veil away from me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am lovesick. And then the daughters of Jerusalem respond to the Shulamith by saying, What is your beloved more than another beloved, O fairest among women? What is your beloved more than another beloved that you would so charge us? And then she responds by saying, My beloved is white and ruddy, chief among 10,000. His head is like the finest gold. His locks are wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are like a bed of spices, banks of scented herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His hands are rods of gold set with beryl. His body is carved ivory inlaid with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of fine gold. His countenance is like Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. So this is such an incredible chapter, ladies. So let's dive into what the circumstances were here and what happened and how this points to the grace and love of Jesus Christ for us when we get tripped up. Okay, so let's look at the circumstances of what's going on. So in 5.2, in verse 2, we see that the Shulamith is asleep, but her heart is awake. The beloved knocks at her door to spend time with her, and he gives this beautiful fourfold description of her. And he says, Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. And so this can remind us of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17 that says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And let me just pause there for a second. So the beloved is calling the Shulamith, his wife now, to open the door so that he can spend time with her. And she hesitates. She says and gives excuses as to why she will not open the door. After he says so beautifully to her, for my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. And so she says, I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? So she is reluctant to open the door and she gives excuses. And it's interesting if we take a look at verse three, we have so many personal pronouns that point only to her. There's nothing about him in what she says. Look, I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? 
I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? It's all about her in that moment. And so let's look and continue what we looked at Ephesians chapter 5 verses 14 through 17. And here's the rest of that verse where Paul says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so the will of the Lord in this case was for her to open the door and spend time with her beloved. And so that looks back again at some other verses in Ephesians chapter 5 after um, verses 14 through 17. We pick up in verses 22 through 30 and I'm going to read that whole section and listen to this and how it applies to this situation as the beloved and the Shulamith who are married at this point. And it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So the church is to submit to Christ as a wife submits to her husband. We are to respond as the church to Christ when he calls us. And then here, um, finishing um, the part of Ephesians chapter five, now it's talking about the husband's responsibility. And this is Christ toward us. It says, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So here we have this perfect picture of how the church is to respond to Christ, just as how the Shulamith was to respond to her beloved. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus speaks this to the church of Laodicea. And we're going to talk more about the church of Laodicea in just a moment. But in verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So there is always this constant invitation to join the Lord in his work. We are constantly as followers of Jesus Christ to join the Holy Spirit and walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. But sometimes, as you can see, with her and with us, we get tripped up. And so um, the response to the beloved in 5.3, as we said, that she said, I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? And so Paul talks about this importance of responding in faith. Um, where he says in Galatians 5, 13 through 14 to the church, he says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, 
but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is such a precious set of verses, dear sister. You may want to get an index card and write down Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 through 14 and carry that with you because it is a sword of the spirit to guard against when our flesh wants what it wants and cries out for what it wants and we know that our flesh will always be selfish just like the shulamith all those eyes and knees and minds all about her that is our flesh and that is the world that we live in the world that we live in just continues to feed the flesh to say it's all about me it's all about what i want it's all about how i feel it's all about what will satisfy and gratify my desires right now and it will never consider another person as more important than ourselves. It will never, the flesh will never be able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can serve the living God. And that's why Song of Songs chapter five is in our Bible because it's true and real and we really have to deal with these things in this spiritual battle that we go through to walk by faith and not by sight. But here is a beautiful thing that will continue to encourage us. Let's look at how the beloved responds to the Shulamith in this case. And he gives this gracious response and he leaves the door of the invitation open to her. So he said, it says in verse four through five, my beloved put his hand by the latch of the door and my heart yearned for him. I arose to, I rose to open for my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh and my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. And so this is a reminder of how gracious God is with his children to leave the door open for us to return to him when we come to our senses and recognize that we were not being obedient. And so this is why we put on the full armor of God of, of, of Romans chapter 8 verses 3 when we trip up, when we sin against the Lord by not following him in obedience. And we say, and it says, um, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So our sins are forgiven in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. And that is how we need to understand sin as a follower of Jesus Christ that our sins have been forgiven at the cross. And that's why we respond in obedience because our sins are forgiven and we don't let the enemy put us down or tell us we can never follow Christ or be forgiven again when we sin against him, when we do not act in obedience. 
but it's really important for us to break down why this might have happened and how this relates to the letter that Jesus wrote to the last church of the seven churches in Revelation. In Revelation chapter two through three, Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches. And the last church was called the church of Laodicea. And they really, really struggled with lukewarmness when it came to following the Lord. And so there is consequences to a lukewarm response, which is exactly what we saw in the Shulamith in verse three. We saw her give a lukewarm response in not opening the door to her beloved. And so let's look at um, Revelation chapter three. But before we do, let's just look at this proverb in, um, that Solomon himself wrote in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. And this is another really good one to keep in mind. Remember, we store up scripture in our hearts so that we might not sin against God. Scripture is the sword of the spirit that helps us, shakes us out of what our flesh wants to do and keeps us walking by the spirit. So Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And we remember that anytime we're focused on ourselves and not focused on following Jesus Christ as a bond servant of Jesus Christ, as following him, walking by the spirit, we're really dealing with our pride. And the author of all pride is Satan himself because it's all about him. And that's what he is trying to trip us up and say it's all about us. But the reality is it is all about Jesus Christ. And that's why we want to continue to do what we can to remain in his love and continue to follow him. So let's look at the example of the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter three, verses 14 through 22. And it says, and this is the letter, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eyesalve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So here we have breaking this situation down. We have a lukewarm response by the Shulamith because probably just like the same situation here in Laodicea saying, I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. So what she forgot in this moment was that she was married to her beloved and that her 
enjoyment of all of life and her sustenance was going to be through spending time with him and being with him and through being with him he would carry her into things that she would do that they would do together that would show the glory of god that that would demonstrate her faith in being with him and so that is the picture of what happened in the church of laodicea they had all of these um physical um things going for them there was a wealthy church they had good medicines they had good um uh, things that helped sustain them but the problem is their soul was empty because they didn't have that close relationship with their savior with their redeemer jesus christ so he's outside of the church knocking to get into the church to have that personal relationship with them to dine with them and he with them because that indicates a close personal relationship when you eat with somebody you are um, you are with them in fellowship and relationship relationship and communicating together and that's what builds us up um, ladies those are the things that are not of this world you know it's our souls that are starved for more of Christ and more of his word and more obedience to his will that is what gives us joy it is not the fleeting pleasures of this life those things are going to pass quickly and in fact that they are going to leave us empty and in fact, they are not only going to leave us empty, but we are going to be disciplined for that. And it is a painful experience to go through. And that's what we're going to see now with what the Shulamith went through. Okay, so if we pick up now in verses 6 through 8, we see what happens to her after not opening the door to spend that time with her beloved. So she, it says, I opened for my beloved. So she does eventually open for her, which is wonderful, which shows that she does belong to him and nothing has changed about who she is in Christ in that situation, but she had hesitated. So it says, but my beloved had turned and away and was gone. So she missed that opportunity to be with him in that moment. My heart leapt up when he spoke. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. So she was out of fellowship now with her beloved. The watchmen who went about the city found me. They struck me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls took my veil away from me. So she goes now through this time of being chastened by the watchman and the reason she is is because she was not where she was supposed to be she was supposed to be with her beloved but the problem is they mistook her for somebody else because she was not with her beloved she had essentially lost her identity who she was and the watchman didn't know who she was and so they thought that she was some sort of criminal and so they struck her they wounded her and they took her veil away from her so this was a, a terrible time of of discipline and chastising that happened because she wasn't under the umbrella of protection of her beloved she wasn't being obedient to the things that god had called her to do now that she is married to the king and she forgot that she was still a child of the king. She was a daughter of the king, which meant there were responsibilities as the daughter of the king that she was to walk in to display that she was the daughter of the king that blessed everybody in the kingdom. But instead, this is what happened and it caused havoc in all of the kingdom. 
but the wonderful thing about this is and I want to I want you to remember the two words but God and this is the grace of God but God turned the situation around and he is going to bring beauty from the ashes in this and so i take that directly that title of our chapter in from isaiah 61 verse 3 that says to console those who mourn in zion to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And so through the disobedience and through the forgetting her identity and who she was, who she was a daughter of the king, she went through this time and it caused her to turn. It caused her to realize how much she loved her beloved, how much he meant to her. And this is why she says in verse eight, she says to the daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am lovesick. So it was through this circumstance that had her turn and realize that it wasn't the things that were in the palace as the princess, you know, maybe at that point she was really lavishly given all sorts of maybe jewelry or clothing or delicacies to eat and all these different things, but it wasn't going to be those things that fulfilled her. It was going to be the time with her beloved. It was going to be the time spent with her. And she realized that after she went through all this, how deeply lovesick she was for that personal relationship with him. And so in this case now, the daughters of Jerusalem become her counselors. They help to point her back to what's truly important about life and her marriage to her beloved. So they say to her, what is your beloved? More than another beloved, O fairest among women. So they're reminding her of who she is. What is your beloved more than another beloved that you so charge us? So through their questions, through their very wise questions, they get her mind off of herself, off of her suffering, off of the discipline, and back to where it should be, back to her having her mind on her beloved and her heart back to where she needs to be. And so putting her mind back starts to get her feet back to him. So we'll see that in a minute. So let's see how she answers them. Um, with these beautiful ten, um, tenfold praise of her beloved. So she says, My beloved is white and ready, chief among ten thousand. His head is like the finest gold, his locks are wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are like the bed of spices, banks of scented herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His hands are rods of gold set with barrel. His body is carved ivory inlaid with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of fine gold. His countenance is like Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet and he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. So 
in the wisdom of the daughters of Jerusalem, they get her mind back on her beloved and where it should be, and it lifts her up to what is truly important. And so this is an exercise, ladies, that we also can do. And Paul, the Apostle Paul tells the church both in, in Philippians and in Colossians to set our minds on things above, things that are good, things that are pure, not on our circumstances, not on our sufferings. Um, set our minds on the eternal things. So he says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And then in Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4, he says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so we set our minds on things above. This is what helps guard our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. When we get bogged down in our temporary sufferings and circumstances, even in the discipline that we are going through, we are going to be dragged down by it. And the enemy it's who he is and what he does. He loves to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy our joy and our peace in Christ Jesus. But when we get our minds, um, our minds and our hearts lifted up to the things above, that is going to give us the peace and give us the joy that Jesus died for us to have that peace of God which surpasses all comprehension to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it's really an exercise of continue to meditate on the things above. And the way that we do this practically is we stay in the scriptures, we read them daily, we write them down on index cards or post-it notes and put them around in places that we look at often, either a mirror in our bathroom or in our kitchen or maybe in our car. Um, we look at scripture and constantly and we're meditating on the things above. Remember, scripture is a sword of the spirit. It is a supernatural work of God to guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It's not something that we can do on our own. It's something that God does when we obey to meditate on the things above. And that really helps us to, to just galvanize our faith and keep that peace and keep that joy flowing through us. And so in the Shulamis tenfold description of the beloved that I just read out loud, and 10, I wanna talk about the number 10 for just a minute. 10 uh, represents the royalty, the kingship now. So before he was the bridegroom um, in the seven descriptions of him that we saw in the last chapter um, in Revelation chapter one, where the apostle John saw the resurrected Jesus Christ and, and described him with seven different descriptions. That is the bridegroom Jesus. Now, as, as the Shulamith describes this tenfold description, we're talking about the king now. 
the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who reigns omnipotent and he reigns um, in the throne room of God now seated at the right hand of the Father. That is his position and his authority. And the more that we focus on that, focus on him, focus on his character, focus on the fact that he is the one who is sovereign and in control right now, even if it seems like the world is filled with havoc, that the enemy has some sort of run amok everywhere and things don't seem to be going right, whatever that may be, the, the truth of the matter is that Jesus rules and reigns and he is in complete control of everything right now, even as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we can trust in him. And that is why we keep that perspective looking up. And so this comforts us. This is a great comfort to us when we not only keep ourselves looking up, we help encourage other people in the body of Christ to keep looking up. And that's exactly the relationship here between the Shulamith and the daughters of Jerusalem. They both mutually encouraged and comforted one another. When one was down, the other lifted the other one up. And so that is what we do as the church. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians verse one, chapter one, verses three through five, he says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us so our consolation also abounds through Christ. So we provide that comfort for one another. We serve the Lord by being a comfort to each other, ladies. We build up our sisters in Christ. And so when we are suffering, we have another sister to build us up. And there'll be a time where that sister is suffering and we are there for her to build her up. And that is such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ coming together to comfort one another together. And so that encourages us as well. It encourages the person who's suffering. It encourages the comforter. It's a mutual encouragement. It's a beautiful relationship that God has given each of us in the body of Christ to do for one another. And so finally, I want to um, end with what is really important about knowing the Lord. And, and it's not about the performance. This was had nothing to do with performance on the Shulamith, opening the door or not opening the door, whatever that, this had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do about relationship with God and knowing Him. So Jeremiah chapter nine, verses 23 through 24, talks about what is truly important about the Lord. So this is the Lord Himself speaking. He says, thus says, the Lord let not the wise man glory in his wisdom let not the mighty man glory in his might nor let the rich man glory in his riches but let him who glories glory in this that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth 
for in these things I delight, says the Lord. So that is a beautiful verse to even have memorized, ladies, uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 through 24, to remember that we do not glory in the things of this world. We glory in the fact that we know our God. We know his character. We know what he's like. And we glory in the fact that we have this beautiful relationship with him, like that of the relationship between the beloved and the Shulamith. We have this beautiful relationship with God and that is why we want to walk in obedience to him that is why when he calls us to be with him we want to open that door and we want to extend that invitation um, to others to open the door to spend that time with Jesus and to follow him in obedience because in that we're gonna have great joy we're gonna have great strength and even when we trip up, and I don't say if, I say when, because it's going to happen. Know that you have a Savior and I have a Savior who loves us, who will be so pleased when we return to Him. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and we have that fellowship restored with Him again. And we're going to see in chapter 6 what that restored fellowship with um, the beloved and the Shulamith does and how it even brings her to a place of even deeper um, peace and understanding with her beloved. And we'll see that in chapter six when we get to that. But let me pray for us now and we'll close out chapter five together. Dear precious Lord Jesus, we just thank you for um, Song of Songs chapter five. We thank you that it is real. It is practical. It is the reality right now of us walking by faith and not by sight. It is the reality of the spiritual warfare that we face in spending time with you and being obedient to you, Lord. It just shows that the enemy will do everything he can to get us not to spend that time with you, not to be obedient to you, because he knows that in the obedience and the time, that's what gives us peace and joy. So I pray for all my sisters, that I pray the truth and the reality of this scripture really strengthens our faith to remember what happens when we do not take the time to spend with God and what that means and how it, it robs us of the joy and the peace that we have in Christ Jesus already. That this would just galvanize us against that and against the devil's schemes that we would remember that obedience to Jesus no matter what is what is going to bring us the true joy in life. So I just thank you so much for this chapter and I pray, Lord, that it really blesses and strengthens our heart as we move forward. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for the time together and I will see you for Song of Songs chapter 6.